grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. On the face of it, Rosito, Pennsylvania, in the mid-1950s, looked like any other normal town. It was a, a tight-knit community of Italian immigrants, and they worked, many of them worked in the mines, they worked together side by side, and they had their town grocery store and their town bakery, and they sat out on the front porches and visited with one another in the evenings, and there was only one church in town, so everyone who was a, a Christian, a believer, all, they all worshipped in the same church together. In many ways, Rosito, Pennsylvania looked like your typical, normal town. But there was something very strange about this town. The doctors started to notice it over time, and then they tipped off some researchers. The doctors said, we're noticing that people in this town basically die of old age, and that's it. That they have almost no heart disease. There's no traces of alcoholism. There's hardly any cancer. There isn't all of these different things that were I mean, causing people to die and to die before their time in any other town in America. And yet in this one little, small, Italian, Pennsylvanian town, it was as if people were only dying of old age. And so some researchers at the University of Oklahoma, they found out about this, and they went in to start trying to get to the bottom. I mean, this is some really big news, right? Here's this town where people are, are living out the fullness of their days. How could that be? They looked at all sorts of different things. Was it a matter of genetics? And they concluded, no, it wasn't their genetics. Maybe it was geography, but the towns on either side of them were having the typical kinds of lifespan that you would see in America. Well, maybe it was their, maybe it was their diet. And then they realized, these are Italians. <laughs> it's not their diet. So what was it? Well, what they finally concluded to this strange case in Rosito has everything to do with the significance of this Sunday, Pentecost. And these two stories I want to tell together. The story of Pentecost, which truth to tell doesn't start on that day in Pentecost. It starts in a sense in another town called Babel. You're familiar with this story of Babel. It started so well. They had such good intentions. All of the people in the world at that time had a common language and the same words. And so they get together and they decide, you know what, guys? Let's do a public works project. What do you say? Like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's make some bricks. Okay. And let's build a tower. All right. All the way up to heaven. Okay because we're going to make a name for ourselves. All right, I guess. Lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. That last line clues us into what this was really all about. See, it was still in their collective memory, I think, that not too long before, the floods receded. And they're thinking in their mind, we need to make sure that that never happens again. We will all band together and unite together against heaven. This is the significance of them building this tower up to heaven. 
You remember this game when you were a kid, King of the Hill? You ever play this game? When you've got a, a pile of dirt or a pile of snow in the wintertime and, and one of the kids is up on top of the hill and all the other kids are trying to climb up to the top of the hill to throw him off and declare themselves king or queen of the hill. There's a kind of cosmic king of the hill going on at Babel. As the people are all banding together and saying, now the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We will unite against this common cause against God so that we can all stay together. Now, of course, God catches wind of this plan, right? It does not surprise him what's going on down there on earth. And so God comes down and confuses their languages. And then in this irony of ironies, it says, the people were scattered over all the earth. The one thing that they wanted not to happen is exactly what they got. Because they were trying to claim for themselves the gift, but they didn't want to have anything to do with the giver. They were willing to unite a, a, around what and who they were against. And in the end, it just set them all apart from one another, as well as from the Lord. And you know what? Today, in our day, in our world, in all of its disunity and divisiveness and in all of its brokenness, our world today is still suffering the fallout from Babel. We're still Babel people. There's a, a senator in Nebraska by the name of Ben Sasse. Actually grew up a Lutheran, I'm proud to say. <laughs> Senator Sasse wrote a book recently simply entitled, Them, Them. And in the book, Senator Sasse talks about how our culture right now is characterized by what he calls anti-tribes. Anti-tribes. And what's an anti-tribe? He says anti-tribes are groups of people who get together simply out of a common hatred and a common opposition. And he's careful to say this isn't about one side of the political spectrum or another that this is a disease that runs throughout our society. That all of us set against one another, we try to find belonging, we try to find a tribe through things that we are commonly against. And what's the source of these anti-tribes? Why do they spring up? Well, for you and me, it shouldn't surprise us at all, his diagnosis. He says what it comes down to is that people are lonely, they're isolated, they're scattered. We're all Babel people looking for belonging, looking for community, looking to come together and finding it in all the wrong places and ways. Now, we might be quick to say, well, yes, there are some really bad people out there. I'm so glad that I'm not one of them. But Senator Sassy says, not so fast, that every single one of us is complicit in this. Now, you and I know this theologically. We know this from the scriptures, that each and every one of us, that you and I all have in our hearts still the sin of Babel. If I can put it this way, we continue to Babylon. Am I right? 
We continue to Babylon in all of the ways, large and small, where we rage against heaven and seek to live without limits and outside of the the good gifts that God has given to us. When we try to receive and take those gifts for ourselves without a proper gratitude to the giver. We continue to Babylon when we go after one another in hatred rather than seeing behind us the powers and the principalities. Rather than hating the sin that undergirds all of it, we hate sinners. And we separate them from one another and we say, I don't want to have anything to do with that person. The proper hatred is directed not toward other people, but toward sin, toward this Babel infection and towards Satan, who would try to stir up all of the chaos that he can. Friends, each and every one of us is still infected with the disease of Babel. We keep babbling on. And that's why we need Pentecost. That's why Pentecost is good news for you and me. Because on Pentecost, God reverses the curse of Babel and he gathers together all of the scattered shards of humanity into his family. That's the significance of Pentecost. You see it in several ways. At Babel, they tried to climb up to heaven. But now at Pentecost, which direction is God going? God is coming down through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down and descends on us. It's not about us climbing up to God, but God comes down. He has come down to us in the person of his son. He comes down to us now through the Holy Spirit. As I tell the children, each and every Sunday is a Pentecost. In fact, each and every day as we walk by faith and live by the Spirit is our own personal Pentecost, if I can put it that way. And not only that, at Babel, they sought to make a name for themselves. You, friends, you do not need to make a name for yourself. See, we saw Arabella's baptism today. What a wonderful day to have that. So holy baptism, God gives you his name. You don't need to make a name for yourself. He says, this is my beloved child. Marked with my name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are branded with that triune name. You belong to the Savior. You don't have to make a name for yourself. And then finally, we saw at Babel, the languages were confused, leading to that division all throughout the world. But but now at Pentecost, God gives a common language. It's the language of faith. A language that unites you and me and all believers throughout the world in time and in space. All Christians past and all Christians present, whether they be living in Africa or Europe or even, as I say to our homebound members, even when they're not able to worship with us, still they are united with us by that common language of faith. Through the power of the Spirit given in baptism, we are all one family in Christ. We have been gathered together. Now we are part of a true tribe. Indeed, a family of God that transcends all tribes and languages and peoples and nations. So we are gathered together through the power of the Spirit in Christ. Pentecost is the undoing of that Babel curse. And what we have already now, today, is a foretaste of the true unity that we will have in the heavenly kingdom. 
when every tribe and language and people and nation will be represented and united in full. That's the community that we're made for, indeed that we long for, and that we flourish in. Which brings us back to the little town of Rosito, Pennsylvania. The researchers did all of their research trying to find out, is it, is it genetics, is it geography, is it diet? No, it's none of those things. They finally come to recognize that the power of this town of Rosita was the town itself. It was the social bonds, it was the community they shared. And further research in the last 50 or 60 years has borne this out, that social bonds and those ties that bind actually make you healthier. Who would have thunk it? God has made us for relationship, made us for community. And so this little town of Rosito with its bakeries and front porches, and most of all, most of all, no, well, their common church. Well, the whole town was like, remember that old song from Cheers, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You all could start singing it. I know you could. <laughs> the problems are all the same. Listen, at its best, this is the community of the church by grace. That we are a fellowship, a community of broken, forgiven sinners. Forgiven by Christ. Gathered by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who Trinity Arcadia is for our community, y'all. Here is a place, here is a, a beacon of belonging for our neighbors. To let them know that in the midst of this fractured, broken world, there is a place where we are able to come together under the common banner of Christ and His Spirit. That's what unites us. It's not demographics. It's certainly not politics. It's not all of the things that our culture would use to divide us. It's united in Christ. There's a, a wonderful hymn in the hymnal that has this line. It says, We are the church. Christ bids us show that in his church all nations find their hearth and home where Christ restores true peace, true love to all mankind. You are the Pentecost people. You are the Holy Spirit community. You are the ones who, though we Babylon, are forgiven in Christ. God grant that we live into that unity now and always. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.